Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Match Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Puna Ford, to my Jaren Reed. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Waiting for my crack at fullback. I just did that because you were short. Um, and our <laughs> Rude. Short but long. Our very own Benson Mayoa. Kevin. No, Carlos Dunlap. You're Carlos Dunlap, Eric, because you're long. All right. Because he's Hall of Fame bound. You know, we were looking at, I thought you were going stars of the game there with those two guys. So I was like, I'm going to be KJ Wright. I can't wait. But you know what? I'll be Carlos Dunlap. Yeah. Carlos Dunlap. Uh, you could be, you could be Benson. Benson had a great game this week. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about well, we this. Know, we know you have KJ Wright because you still have screens in your house. And <laughs> if you know anything about KJ Wright, if he had screens in his house, he'd have punched them all out by Take now. these off the house. tolerate that. This week was an ascension for the Seahawks, an ascension into uh, into the back into the upper echelon. Yes, the offense looked um, maybe not as good as we liked, but it felt like the game was in control throughout. And uh, just we've moved up now in DVOA all the way up to sixth, competing with the best teams in the uh, in the league. And it does feel like this is a team that remember we said last week this is kind of a playoff testing uh kind of game right this is a game where we're going to see how are the seahawks playoff ready and the answer looks to be somewhat yes yes this is a team that if they get hot they can definitely win a super bowl are we all in agreement there oh yeah defense looks super bowl capable (sighs) that's uh fingers crossed gentlemen yeah it's a it's it's not it's the uh it's it's the it was a, a big step um just in in terms of single game dvoa like for this for this team that was our best performance of the season uh, it was um, a great offensive performance. Uh, it was a really, like, not great offensive performance, sorry, an average offensive performance right in the middle of the pack, though, uh, right close to that uh, that Arizona game that we should have won that would have made us the number one seed. We won't talk about that, though, right? We're not, that, that's a, can't play. What are you talking about anyway? But it was an absolute best defensive performance in the year, vaulting us up into the top half of the league in DVOA defense. Um, and this defense has really just looked special. Uh, for the last several weeks, uh, basically since the, I would say the Giants game was like a, from that point on, this defense has looked really, really good. Like Are a defense equals game, yeah. <clears throat> like a defense that can really just win you a championship, and uh, and it starts with like, okay, it's stupid, but it starts with accountability meeting. Got to bring it up. <laughs> I mean, ever since that accountability meeting, it's just looked like a different team. It's just looked like a team where the Seahawks, we talked about on this podcast. I said it like a million times. The defensive line is not so bad that we need to babysit it playing zero coverages, blitzing, doing weird stuff. They don't need to do that. They have talent in the back seven. Let your guys try to get home and play Seahawks defense on the back end. And what are they doing? They are playing cover three they're playing cover two they're playing you know they're playing single high that they're doing seahawks defense things mixing up different zone coverages and letting four guys try to get home and it's totally working you know another piece that i've been noticing is we're playing a lot tighter with our defensive backs especially the last two games and it might have been a little bit game planning but i think a big part of it is dj reed uh dj reed is a guy who I think plays a much more predictable brand of defensive back than uh, Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers looks like a Seahawks cornerback, but DJ Reed plays like a Seahawks cornerback. And I think that's letting our safeties kind of fall into their roles better. 
Yeah, and I, I do think that DJ Reed might be a revelation for Pete where he thinks instead of thinking like he does now, which is that for a defensive back to be physical, he must have X length arms and be X tall, right? He must have super long arms and be very tall. He might look at he might just look for guys who have the physicality and attitude of a, of the cornerback that he needs, right? Because DJ Reed doesn't fit the mold. If we look at the Seahawks pre-draft measurables, he falls short in almost every category, right? Literally, yes. <laughs> Got him. But but I mean, D- DJ Reed is 12th percentile for height, 41st percentile for He does have long arms, 60th percentile for, for arm length, and 95th percentile for hand size. DJ Reed got some mitts, boys. DJ Reed got the mitts. And I think that that's what we should bring up every time now. So people who listen to this on Twitter and stuff, just remember DJ Reed got the mitts. That's what you want to say. But I really do think that he might start looking now instead of just looking for um, the, the, the length traits, you know, and the height traits. He might start looking at how do these guys play? Do they play physical? Do they embrace jamming guys off the line? Do they embrace messing up people on their routes? Can they play zone? And, DJ Reed can do all those things. Do I think DJ Reed is the long-term answer at outside corner for the Seahawks? That I'm not so sure about. I'm not so sure if he's going to be uh, like, you know, a six-time pro bowler in our system or whatever, or even like a multiple-time pro bowler. But he's a, he's an excellent player who fulfills a role. He's just a more than serviceable backup. I would love to see us hang on to him for quite some time. So, Well, he's the kind of guy that you try and replace every year. You know, like you, you draft a dude in the third or the fourth or something and see if that guy can come in and replace him. And if he can't, then you're still as good as DJ Reed at that point. To be better than DJ Reed, you got to be legitimately very good. Mm -hmm. Like DJ DJ Reed is a really, is a good football player. And so to be him, and then the thing that's cool is, is that he can play nickel cornerback. So the worst case scenario for us (laughs) is that we slide him inside and he's still on the field for, for 30 seconds. But he does not, he does not want to play nickel quarterback. That's. That's uh, that's that's his chip on his shoulder, and that's I think why he's so good with this team. He's got fast feet, he's got great athleticism, but yeah, he's undersized. But he gets angry <clears throat> about about his height and how people don't they they just want to stick him in nickel cornerback. And he he said he uses that as his fire. So yeah, we can put him there, but but uh, I don't I don't know if he's the long term answer, but I think he has the job if he can keep keep competing. Which always compete, always yeah, compete when forever, right? Yeah, <laughs> those, those, those things are sometimes stupid, but in this case, you're seeing it on the field. DJ I mean, Reed stupid like accountability people. meetings are stupid. They're stupid yeah. when, except when they work. And right now, everything's coming together. Yeah, so DJ, DJ Reed looks like he has completely won that job, and uh, you know Trey Flowers is not going to be coming back to that job. Quentin Dunbar looks like he's out for the the entirety of the season. He did the surgery. All right, so, Dunbar. Yep, yeah, I would let's I would take the draft pick back now. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the time the trade looked, the trade felt really good though. So you get thing, if we pay if we pay very little, I'd be willing to take him back though. I mean, yeah, I guess you just the, can't rely on being healthy. That's the problem. He's been hurt his entire career. It was the yep. it was kind of the book on him coming in, and it felt like he had finally gotten healthy and put it together. But no, he spent the whole season dinged up, never really could get on the field. Um, PFF said he was okay when he was on the field, but I don't even know if I agree with that. I thought he looked kind of bad. Like he, like maybe he wasn't f- fully healthy, wasn't fully ready to get back on the field. Like uh, looked a little slow. I, guess. I was gonna say the the thing that I the thing that's a problem is what most of us will remember is that Buffalo game when he wasn't healthy and he just got victimized. Yeah, got, ro- got roasted. The that whole game. that was not fair to put him in that game, but we had no choice. 
Let's start with let's start with the defense, and I want to start with uh, my two favorite plays of the game. Okay, can I can I do that? Can I do it mm-hmm. that way? Good. All right. Um, so who did it better, DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker, or Puna Ford chasing down Josh Reynolds? Because Puna <laughs> Ford, I just unbe- unbelievable. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast. He played running back in high school. You can you can dig up the tapes, Google Puna Ford high school, and you can watch him carry the rock. He is no joke as an athlete, and uh, he got downfield. I think that Josh Reynolds, though, to be honest, he is an NFL. And I thought he was an NFL caliber wide receiver, but now he probably should retire because if you're an NFL caliber wide receiver, you can't get chased down from behind by Puna Ford. That's just un- unacceptable. So, Josh Reynolds, uh, you had a good career, and uh, we will see you uh, never because <laughs> on the flippity flop. You no, know what that but- was? That was a uh, yo. You gotta watch those Fords. They bring him out to the racetrack and it looks like an old, uh, old farm truck. But they got like you know that a uh, four hundred cubic inch engine sitting in there or something. Next thing you know, it's chasing you down from behind. Those yeah. Fords are good over long distances. <laughs> it was awesome. And then, uh, of course, you got to talk Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams, the chase down on the on the ankle tackle that uh, took Darrell Henderson out of the game. But that that's not why it was great. That play is just. No one else can make that play. Um, just a, an ex. Jamal Adams, the trades, a lot of people were really hard on the trade in the analyst circles because giving up two first round picks is a lot. Giving up two first round picks for a safety is exceptionally questionable. But there's no doubt uh, if you look at the results in the football field, when he is fully healthy, this defense looks totally different and he is a difference maker and plays like that are perfect example of the way he what's cool about him too is like when he drops back into zone and then he he diagnoses the play he is so smart and when he diagnoses the play once he realizes what is happening he executes and he'll abandon his coverage because he knows what's going to happen or you know he he is like a it's like having a defensive quarterback on the field right like where he just he is diagnosing what's happening and boom he is going to to make a play happen now and so i don't know i love it I well, love he's it. got that richard sherman thing in him where he'll take <clears throat> gambles that you will flat out tell other players like you aren't allowed to do that and they'll look over and be like well why does jamal get to do that and you're like watch jamal all game <laughs> that's why jamal gets to do that yeah because he's like jamal. most of the times yeah, exactly. Most of the time you'd be like, okay, your job is to handle the flats. You are sticking in zone coverage there. You're making sure they can't get the um, zero to five yards. And, and Jamal's like, well, the, the quarterback's sprinting away from me. There's no way he's throwing it back across his whole body. So I'm just going to take off, run all the way across the field and push him out of bounds. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to just – I'm over here, but the play is going here. I, I see the guard moving this way. I am running all the way across the field to make this tackle. Like, I'm going – here we go. You know, it's – it's um, he's pretty incredible, and I'm really, really pleased. You know, like we said, as long as this team doesn't bottom out and end up, you know, with the top 10 pick, uh, if we make the playoffs both years, giving up two first-round picks is not too much to pay for Jamal Adams. Yeah, giving up a 30-second pick twice, I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> that's the I, joke but that's what we want absolutely yeah all right let's go let's go uh kevin what, what does you think so you noticed on defense i mean this pass rush was cooking in this game right yeah that was one thing we had 32 pressures eight qb hits and three sacks jaron reed got to uh alton robinson again man uh a rob looks like a legit rotation piece right now yeah. And uh, three pressure, three pressures on only ten pass rush snaps. Thirty percent of his snaps he got home. That's a 
that is quite the, the nice performance by Alton Robinson. It's exactly what you want out of your rotational guys to come on the field and immediately make an impact every time. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, it was the same thing. Adams is starting to, like, I feel like the defense is figuring out how to use Jamal Adams and his pass rushing is starting to feel a lot like Bobby Wagner's where you're going, okay, he'll, he'll only fire off like six or eight times, but he'll get like two to four pressures and a sack in those six to eight attempts, which is exactly what you want. Um, Dunlap was just effective all game. Monet came back in and provided us some interior pass rush on a, on a, on a solid level again. Um, I, I feel like our defensive line is showing that when our defensive scheme and our defensive backs are able to provide average or better coverage, they're able to provide the pressure necessary to force the quarterback into an undesirable decision. Like this is what our defense looks like when it gels. We're getting pressure with four and sometimes five. We're getting pressure with three sometimes. And we're able to really use all of these defensive backs that we know are very good players to do their job in coverage. Like you said, mixing cover two and cover three schemes and just kind of letting the defensive line not be babysat, letting them get to the quarterback, letting them do their job. This is what a Pete Carroll defense is designed to look like. Yeah, and if you just look at like since week 10, uh, this team is pass rushing so much better. I mean, Alton Robinson at nine, (laughs) pass rush productivity, 9%. uh, Carlos Dunlap at 8.8. I mean, those guys like on the season are significantly worse, right? But ever since uh, week week 10, this defense has just been cooking and it's really showing up on the field and pass rushing in, in, in a big way. And like we said, the, 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 I think all those zero blitzes, it gave – there was always a guy that was wide open. It was just too easy. It was too easy for NFL quarterbacks to just find an open guy. Now it's not easy to find an open guy in our secondary. These guys have time to, to, to get to the quarterback, and they're making it count. So – yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Pass rushing's been great. It's good to All see right. steady pressure. Kevin, you said sometimes we're getting it with three. Sometimes we're getting it with three, but man, I hate seeing us rush three because it's it's not almost always a completion, but it just looks like it looks like it's almost always a completion or a pressure. And I'm just like, could we just go back to rushing four? That's four is enough. I don't like we the have, coverage. We did have twelve defensive line. Uh, coverage snaps but then none of them were jaron reed and puna ford which is a huge disappointment for me personally because that <laughs> that is what i live for that is my uh that is my lifeblood and i need it um brian monet came in and looked really solid it was someone i watched because the seahawks made a had a choice this week between snacks harrison and brian monet and uh they chose brian monet so i was like i'm watching him back on the film very very solid performance by him had a couple tackles had a quarterback hit um I looks the part of a rotational defensive tackle. So 26 snaps too. He, he didn't get eased back in. He got a good number of snaps. They used him. I mean, played big time college football, at Michigan, you know, he's, he's no, he's no, he's no slouch. Right. Kevin, big time college football in the big, the, the, B-I, the B I G B the B one G. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, counting's hard. Why well, put numbers in? So yeah, he's, so wait, I mean he he's a big he's a big guy. Nathan, are you uh, are you saying that it's it was sad to see Snacks go, but you're okay with it because uh, Monet's I mean, emergence? 
so far so good. I, I'm it's something I'm monitoring, right? Because it is tough. It's tough to just let uh to let someone like Snacks Harrison go, who is an all pro, who looked like he was rounding into form, right? Seemed like he was tri- trending in the right direction, and then they said, you know what, we're cutting this guy for Monet. And I mean, Snacks on Twitter just basically said like, hey, this guy outplayed me, and he has a few technical things to work out, but he's really good, and so. I mean, that to rattle the ring. He he's about as ringing of an endorsement as you can get, right? When the All Pro says you're 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 there, so I don't know. I think it was time. It was the right time. You know, things happen like that within a season, and I I think the team would have preferred to just put him back on the practice squad and not have to sign Luke Wilson instead. But you know, that's. <laughs> That's that's what happened. Well, that we had. Sometimes you uh, sometimes you need a DJ. Sometimes uh, your veteran practice squad spots go to guys who uh, wear really cool shorts and have great calves. That's that's what it is. No 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 so. skinny calves skinny calves. Oh, I'm aware. I, I just wanted to. Uh, <laughs> you wanted to talk wanted, him up. That's a I good man. To, You're a good man. I wanted to try to help him out. Yeah, I was trying to give him a trying to give him a little boost. You know, uh, overall. Just a really good game from the Seahawks defense. I cannot. Jordan Brooks had probably the best game. Jordan Brooks is a fo- football player, guys. A football playing Jesse. 20, 28 snaps and got seven tackles. That's absurd. And all of them were registered as a stop on Pro Football Focus. All seven tackles were stops. That's stupid. Yep. That's that's diagnosing the plan attacking. That guy attacks, though. That's what he does. And that's why we got him and... You're, you're going to see it on the field, and he's not going to get a lot of snaps because KJ's playing out of his mind, and Bobby Wagner is Bobby Wagner. So our, li- our linebacking dreams are coming true. You guys realize this, right? Like before the season started, we said Jordan Brooks is, you know, likely going to have to learn from Bobby. Uh, hopefully we can squeeze something out of the rock that is KJ right. Bobby's going to be Bobby, and we're going to have some young linebackers take over. Uh, and Jordan Brooks can maybe add to that. And KJ, look what we have. KJ Wright has earned himself a minor payday this year. Yeah. And it, it is unfortunate that we won't be the team that that gets to give it to him because he is very likely going to end up somewhere else, mostly because Jordan Brooks, right? Like we have the plug-and-play option ready to go for when KJ's contract expires. So Yeah. You know what's really encouraging for me about Jordan Brooks? The last couple of games, I feel like I've really gotten to see how fast he is. Yeah, he Like that's something fast. you saw on the college tape was he was really fast. I feel like early on he was a little hesitant. Last couple of weeks, man, diagnose and attack. Yeah. I think he's gonna be really good in cover in our coverage schemes too. Yep. Just uh what well, what we ask our linebackers to do is something that with his athleticism, if he if he does not a total dunce cap, he will be able to just destroy in that role too. Um and hopefully KJ is instilling in him the healthy hate of screen passes that he's going to need to be successful. <laughs> that's a, what I, I want to see Jordan Brooks killing George Kittle, just like KJ did. You know, I, that's, that's the kind of uh, thing we need. KJ will be untackleable. KJ is an enforcer, you know, and at the end of the day, KJ had a nice pass breakup in this game too. I, I, KJ has been just on point this year. It's, it's like making me a little depressed that he, like, you know, I thought like, okay, when KJ goes, you know, I'll be ready for it, but I'm not ready for it. I, I'm hoping that everyone is cap strapped and we end up getting him back now. <laughs> that, yeah, KJ finally looks healthy for the first time in a few years and he really is balling out. You're right. Yeah. It's the, it's the last year of his contract. And like, we don't really have like a ton of wiggle room. If someone comes in and says, Hey, we'll give you, you know, 
two two years, sixteen million with thirteen million in guarantees. It's going to be Bye. tough. That's going to be tough for the Seahawks to match with everyone who needs to get a new contract this offseason. Jamal Adams, Kill Griffin, all that stuff. So, so uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll handle it in the offseason. But this is where you say heart versus common sense. My heart wants KJ back, but this was a guy that took less money to come back because maybe he wasn't going to be as good. And this year, he's just playing lights out. And I, I don't know if he's going to do it again. That's the thing. That's the thing, though. KJ, KJ took. You say KJ took less, but that KJ Wright contract, when when we when we signed it, I thought like, man, that's crazy. He's gonna be thirty two at the end of this, and like, we're we're giving him like mostly guaranteed, you know, like two fourteen. But you're right, Eric. He totally exceeded that contract, yeah. and now now we're looking at, yeah, probably he's probably gonna get close to two fourteen, two sixteen again. So he's probably in a situation where he's gonna be close to what he got again. And I just don't know if the like I said I don't know yeah, if, the if we brought him team. back we probably wouldn't be able to bring back Puna, you know like we'd be losing a guy or two in order to get him back. Yeah, Puna Quill like there's a bunch of guys that need to get paid this off season, so we're in we're in trouble. Uh, in terms of like, well you know like I said the cap's going down. Maybe everyone is strapped and everyone's like we can't spend money on linebacker and we can get KJ for one six right. And then it's like well come on back KJ I'm ready for that right. So yeah it's just it's just gonna depend. The Seahawks are always competing. They're in every they're in every deal, right? They always make the phone call. So, so we'll he might be happens. available since the Eagles are gonna have to get rid of the whole roster. You know, it'll just leave maybe a little more KJ for us. Yeah, the right. Saints too. We'll we'll go ahead and talk off season and off season because we got playoff push to go through. Uh, defense a, just looked great. Anything else from the defense? Uh, Ugo Amadi uh, didn't get exposed, and I'm just confident that he can be a rotational middle of the field player that plays safety and slot cornerback. Uh, and a plus special teamer. Let's yeah. talk special teams before we go to defense. Cause I think um, third phase is becoming more and more apparently really good for the Seahawks. Uh, Hollister, Belor, Griffin, Barton, these guys crush it on special teams. Uh, and then of course, Dixon and Myers are, have been routinely excellent this year. This phase of the game is, is helping us quite a bit. Uh, our special teams DVOA is third in the league. 7.3% and it's a difference maker. Those those hidden yards, those se- the secrets. The that has Secret. been huge for the Seahawks Secret this yards. year. And uh yeah. uh Ryan Neal too, been really good on special teams. Uh, Lyndon Lyndon Stevens, like there's all these That's guys Quim. that are just playing lights out on special teams and I, BBK, BBK's had a couple of good hits. Hollister, dude. Hollister. Hollister Cody Barton. After it in special teams too, Freddie Freddie Swain returning them punts. Yeah, uh, uh, by the way, uh, DJ Reed and Freddie Swain is our return duo. Sign me up. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Sweet. They're both guys that um, if don't don't take this the wrong way if you're listening, DJ and Freddie. But if they got hurt, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like if Tyler Lockett was back there returning punts, or when Sherman wanted to do it. Remember that? Oh, or, no, no. <laughs> No. Earl, and, Earl and Sherman like let us return punts. It's like, how about we don't do that? What if right. we? What if we do so, literally anything else? But um, yeah, I think Swain and uh, DJ Reed returning punts. More return to punt in this game. Um, oh, and Swain's doing the kickoffs. I don't know. It's been nice. It's been nice to have those guys kind of mixing it up. All right, offense. Offense. Okay. All right, Kevin, start us off. What did you What did you notice when you watch back on the offense? Okay, um, let's go vegetables first. You know how that's highlight to do it. So all of it. Uh, 
specifically, <laughs> I feel like Jordan Simmons took a steaming Odell Beckham would have loved it dump all over the interior of our offensive line. And it made it really hard to gauge what anyone else was doing because that dude looks straight up lost. I yeah, have never seen him look this bad. I think like what happened and you can maybe argue against this. I, I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent right. Aaron Donald impacts a lot. Yep. Jordan Simmons comes in and he is a like backup. And he's very focused on not getting beat by Aaron Donald, which is fine. That's fine. You can focus on, but they played stunt games in the middle of our line and the, the middle of our line got kind of abused because of it. And it, you're right, Kevin, it is hard to tell hundred percent whose fault it is, but since we've seen Posich and Lewis play really good all season, even against premium opponents like this one, it's pretty easy to lay most of it at the lap on the lap of Jordan Simmons. Because I'll go even a step further. That's, that's when the you're watching Simmons not hand off the block, and you're watching the other guy go all the way around him, and he's still not handing off the block. You're, you're, like it, it's not like uh, Damian Lewis can quickly run behind Posich and Simmons to pick up the block on the other side like a cartoon. You're saying like the, the, the four or five plays where I saw them triple team uh, Aaron Donald. That wasn't on purpose. That's not uh, the that, didn't, that was on purpose. I don't think. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was not the intended blocking team. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Dang, shoot. That's uh, tough. I mean, Simmons has been has been up and down this season, right? But I felt like he was really solid until this game, particularly. Like yep. I thought he was more than serviceable until this this game. He looked, and I don't know if that's something that the Rams have good coaching staff, right? Sean McVay comes in. He he's he's sharp. He's pretty smart. He gets a guy like Jared Goff playing good, which is a hell of a feat. Um, so because Jared Goff sucks, and so. So he gets Jared Goff playing good. And then, I mean, he, I'm guessing they noticed something when they're watching us back that said Jordan Simmons is going to be beatable uh, if we play these games in the middle. And they played a lot of stunt games in the middle of the line. And it definitely hurt. Uh, It definitely hurt us bad. And so I don't know if that's like they noticed like there's two guys here. Damian Lewis maybe is a rookie and he's struggling a little bit. And Jordan Simmons is a backup and we know we can expose we can expose the center of this line if we mess with these guys because it's the you know, it's the rookie and the backup. And I when you have Aaron Donald, I think it's it's a fair strategy to try to attack the middle of the line anyway. Yeah, when you have one of the three best defensive players in all of the NFL. Uh, he's the best. one of the one best. Yeah, he's the, he's the best. And uh, at the end of his career, I think we're going to look back and say that guy was probably one of the five best to ever do it, period, just for defensive players. Not many guys are going to lay claim to like multiple DPOIs like this guy has like three. He's going to end up with like three or four by the end of his career. And that's that's insane. How many? He has two now, right? I believe yeah. so, yeah. And it's going to be like, like that J.J. Watt territory where even if at the end of his career he can't really put it together anymore, it doesn't matter because what his resume was at the front end. He has two now, and I think he's going to win it this year. Or if he, he doesn't win it, he's going to get it's, it's going to be close. He's he's right. He's in the mix for it this year, and it seems like he'll get at least one or two more. So, uh, yeah, really good football player. Tough to to, to deal with. Um, and that was the big struggle, right? Is, is that the, the when the interior pockets of your pocket is collapsing like that, it causes everything else to not really work. And so we saw it trickle down to the pass game. We saw it trickle down to the run game. Um, yeah, it just, it was a, 
it was a real mediocre offensive performance, right? Would you, what, I, what did you, what do you I, think, Eric? I, I don't know. I real quick, I want to go back to Jordan Simmons and ask Kevin a question because when we talk uh, offensive line, moving, shaking players, footwork, uh, I always defer to Kevin, but I feel like Jordan Simmons has played. He's played well most of the year, certainly up until like November. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great swing player for us. I think that Aaron Donald just kind of wrecks it. I think if we play them again in the playoffs, uh, you know, obviously the Rams are going to switch it up, but I think the Seahawks and Jordan Simmons and the rest of the offensive line will be able to handle it a bit better. I'm not saying we're going to stop Aaron Donald, uh, but uh, Kevin, is this fixable going forward? Because I would say it's 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 certainly patchwork fixable, right? Yeah, I mean, Nathan, back me up because I think you saw the same thing I did. But uh, what I saw was it wasn't that Simmons struggled consistently to block Aaron Donald. It's that Simmons was so focused uh, on, Aaron, on Donald. Aaron Donald that he, he wasn't communicating anyone. with the rest of the offensive line. Yeah, so. And so, like, Aaron Donald would um, start sliding to his left across the face of Posich and Simmons would block Aaron Donald across the center and the right guard and just, just keep, sweep the whole line. Just keep he just keep blocking. Or like another way too, like they were there was you know, when they play those stunt games in the front, you have to you have to pass those guys off. Like you have to you have to like pass those guys off and let the other guy pick up the guy who's coming across, right? And when you don't do that and everyone's just blocking Aaron Donald, then here comes a guy off a stunt and he's got no one in front of him. Yeah, and I, so this that's a communication multiple. issue which you can fix. Yeah, and yeah, it's just it's just that one thing is tough is like you know you potties out. Um, Shell was back but didn't play, so you know we have two two subs on the offensive line, and and for all we say about how good Damian Lewis has been this season, he is still a rookie, right? He's not like a, and he does still have flaws, and pass blocking is where they show up more. Yeah, so. I'm I'm not like sh- stunned or anything that it was tough. It would be nice to have Eupati back um, for yep, the playoffs. Said it. I would I would inactive him for the I would inactive him for this week no yep. matter what. I would say under no circumstances should he set foot on the field this week. I know that if he's healthy he'll play because that's how Pete Carroll rolls. But I just think that if there's a list of guys I think they should rest this week, he is number one for me with a bullet because I really think. And I'm sorry, Kevin. But I think Eupati makes a difference on this offensive line. Uh, positively, he is a strong, uh, solid veteran presence. He's not exciting. He's our best option at left guard right now. Yeah. He's not exciting. He's not like a Pro Bowler anymore. Uh, although, did he make the Pro Bowl this year? I think he did. Perennial Pro it. Bowler, Mike Eupati. I think he. Yeah, he's a Pro Bowl alternate. So. <laughs> Uh, pride of the Idaho Vandals last year, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I don't think he's really at playing at a pro actual Pro Bowl level. But he is super solid. Well, last year, it didn't stop him. Yeah, he's super solid. He's a he's just a good, solid, all around football player. And Here's it, the thing, he's not going to have those communication issues as much because he, what he has thousands of snap snapping blocks in the NFL. Yeah, he's a smart football player, and you need veteran guys like that. And then I think if you potty's here for the next like, you know, couple years and, you know, maybe he works his way into the backup role, but that's, that's fine. You need veteran players like that who can step in and know what to do. And that's the, I think the problem with uh, Simmons right now is that he comes in and, you know, it's a little bit tougher for him. 
It was a little bit more of an uphill battle. Seahawks did throw downfield in this game. No, that was a rough transition. Sorry, but <laughs> they did throw downfield <laughs> they, this they game. They did have enough time in the pocket to get some downfield passes in. They had eight downfield pa- eight passes. Transition. Eight passes. Eight passes of ten or more yards. They went five for eight on those passes. I thought the downfield passing game. It was nice to see them take those shots. It was nice to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, those shots get taken. I thought they could have even had one more catch uh, on those on the deep passes. The the well, DK, you know, yeah, yeah. So, if he, if Russ would have thrown the ball inside for DK instead of to the outside, it's like, Russ Russ had some big time accuracy. Those things are like you 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 see the the cornerback playing outside leverage like that, and you just throw it to the inside when DK had him beat, and you just throw that ball to the inside, and and DK is going to get under it, you know, and it's like it's frustrating from my perspective just because that's a play Russ usually makes, you know? And so it's like, it sucks because he throws to the outside like that. And it's like, okay, well, he's never going to catch. He's, what do you want him to do? Run through the guy. <laughs> he has to <laughs> run the cornerback over to get to that ball. He's never happening. So yeah, it's, it was tough. And there was the one two miss was the Hollister pass. that would have been a touchdown. Um, I think in the first quarter, there's one two where Tyler like was running and it looked like Tyler, instead of actually going for the ball, decided he was just going to try to draw a pass interference penalty. And I do like, like savvy veteran moves like that, but it's like, come on, bro. That mm. <laughs> I thought Tyler knew he, he didn't have a chance at it. Like it looked good to us. Angry. Yeah. Like it looked good to us, but he was like, no, I can't, I can't move my body that way. I can't, I can't run that one down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't change directions like that at full speed. I could see yeah. that being the case. I mean, I, I that's where I trust the receiver. Um, it was it was really great to see David Moore come out again with uh with big catch. Man, I we've compared him to Jermaine Curse, and there is some love for Jermaine Curse, but David Moore is just he's making a name for himself with these catches all year. It's it's a guy we can sure. count on. It's one. One we catch, thought, but it was but it sure was a hell of a catch. Yeah, wow. and we thought Philip Dorsett was going to be this guy for us. Count on David Moore. What? what? Do you just refer to David Moore as a guy we can count on? Yes. Yeah. That might uh, be that might be a little high praise. I I disagree. I I like David Moore a lot. I think he's our he's a solid number three for us. And maybe next year he's not, but this year I like David Moore. I think he's a yeah, fine number I three. Right. I think he's a fine number three. Especially uh, where we thought we would have Josh Gordon, we thought we might have we'd Antonio have Brown. Dorsett. We thought we'd have Philip Dorsett. Uh, David Moore has become—I uh, don't know—someone who I'm very excited to see what happens with him this year. Don't let me down, David Moore. I mean, he does only have one drop. It's just—it's just his drops are so notable. I never forget them. It's like <laughs> how like I feel about Jermaine Curse. Like it's like oh man that was a that was going first yeah but Jermaine Curse had like a fifty percent uh fifty percent catch percentage it was like he just had didn't at the end all his, his run, fans though were just like oh you dub he's so good he's just oh he's the best Jermaine I mean, Curse you might as well throw him all fifty fifty balls because whatever you're throwing him <laughs> <it's 50-50 laughs> that's correct. He, I mean, he he was a uh, he has some of the biggest catches ever in the uniform, and I'll be honest with you: if we run in the New England game, he's he has the biggest catch in franchise history. That leg catch is insanity. And yeah, I I think about that catch probably once every two months or so, yeah. and I'm like I'm like this would have been the biggest play in Seahawks history if whatever happened after that. Let's, just uh, I don't happen. I don't want you to make me cry. Let's let's keep moving. Uh, how about how about the rare pick play that actually worked for us? Or I guess it was more of a rub play uh, with Hollister for the touchdown. 
Yep. Let's and talk they, about that real quick. Do you want to break that down, Nathan, or should I? No, you, no, you can break it down. I just want to say they did target uh, tight ends quite a bit on this game. Uh, Eleven targets for tight ends that went for like seven catches, I think, six catches. But uh, but it was it was like a thing that they did. We said that there's two things we wanted to see them do before the game. We wanted to see them attack with tight ends in the seams. We wanted to see them throw it to the honey hole, which they did. It was so nice to see them throw it throw <laughs> oh, it yeah. into that. Throw that fifteen yard out pattern against cover two defense, and they well, they, they ran four yarder to lock it. Was that basically that same spot? They ran yeah. cut. They ran the cover two Buster plays because I think they recognized what, what we what we and other people who you know get dig into the X's and O's a little bit recognize, which is that teams are just running cover two against Russ, and we need to just make them stop. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> and like we have to put stuff on tape with us beating cover two, or we're, they're never going to stop. And it was night; nice. they did. They we got them to at least cut it out a little bit, and it helped. So, Kevin, go ahead. What about the Hollister touchdown, though? So, uh, basically, they were running um, like a two deep man under or um, a two deep zone concept. Um, and there's two plays to Hollister. One was the aforementioned miss. So there was a missed touchdown in the first half where uh, Hollister's basically in the slot with a wide receiver outside of him. And uh, the two receivers cross over each other. So you have an in-breaking route from the outside receiver and an out-breaking route from Hollister. And Hollister is being covered by uh, Floyd, who is a defensive end and not a coverage linebacker. That's a good matchup for us. And so... um, Hollister is almost running a wheel route, but the way it works is the in-breaking route from the outside receiver forces the guy covering Hollister to either go underneath that route and then chase Hollister from behind or go over that route and get in the way of the defensive back who's covering the in-breaking wide receiver. So that's a co- that's a cover two beater um, play because it takes advantage of the way that the underneath coverage works. And that's one of the things that we talked about doing. So in the first half, uh, Russ just flat missed the throw to Hollister on the sideline. That would have been a good touchdown. So in the second half, we run the exact same play again. And this time the linebacker dives underneath the cornerback and it creates an immediate like yard of separation between the linebacker and the tight end. And Hollister can run away from a lot of linebackers. And so it was just a ton of space. So it wasn't even a rub route. It was taking, it was shoddy dialing up a play that was clearly designed to take advantage of the coverage tendencies that he was seeing in the defense, which is exactly what you want to see your offensive coordinator do. I actually thought this was a pretty well-called game on offense on defense. We can talk about it, but on offense, I thought it was a well-called game. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought the Seahawks did a, uh, they they did an all right job. It's not it was not like the best offensive performance. It's not the worst. I thought it was a very average offensive performance overall. I thought um, Russ didn't the, execute super well. It was hard for us to execute because of what was happening in the middle of the line, and so I think everything, all our problems, kind of trickled down from that. It wasn't it wasn't the play calling. It wasn't us going crazy conservative. It was just the fact that Aaron Donald was disrupting everything we were trying to do. And it was making our lives miserable. It's nice to have Carson back. It's nice to, to be able to, you know, hit a second and short, third and short, and have a, an option there uh, to to you know run for a first down. That is, it's nice. I because before I was starting to think we're just going to get stuffed every time. Yep. Um, not not any of the runners had a particularly great game. Uh, Russ had what 
I think three rushing attempts, two scrambles. For, yeah, for about nine yards. And then um, the Penny uh, had Car- a pretty good game rushing. He gave he only had three attempts for nine yards, but one of those included slipping and falling, and he and he avoided a tackle. Yeah, I do think that Penny is kind of a a, a, a X factor for the playoffs. If he can be fully healthy and in that form we saw at the end of twenty. Uh, 19 where he was really rounding into form if he can even be sort of like that that is a total x factor heading into the playoffs do you think he's um, going to give that to us he's looked like a slow starter and i know it's just it's just one game back but i'm i don't know if he can kick started so fast i don't know it's uh it's like the kind of player you got to get out into space yes. so it's it's like totally different than Carson where Penny is going to be at his most effective when we move him out into space and Carson is going to be at his most effective when he can just r- run a, run a mother over down, uh, run a mother over over and over and over again that's you know it's just totally different game plans and i do think they would be very complementary to each other which is pretty cool but yeah the we, old thunder uh, and lightning yeah, we all can't, we can't get them on the field at the same time. It seems like like right now, Carson seems to finally be fully healthy. Penny's rounding into shape, going into the playoffs. That's a total X factor because you know swing passes to Penny. That's a play that you put in the playbook that is instantly goes way up in effectiveness, right? Or those screens that Hyde's been getting on third downs, where we get like a couple <laughs> offensive linemen out in front of him. Penny can take that. I know Carlos Hyde's had some big runs this year because he gets almost all of his runs on big runs. But man, I do not think he's very good. I, every week, every week, you really that. kind of rail on him. It's kind of funny. I don't. I, mean, a, I don't hate good, Hyde. I, I see your point. Another good catch this week. I got eighteen yard first down. Like I and I when he's getting it too, I'm like, man, this is gonna make me look stupid again. It's freaking Carlos Hyde. But I, he is serviceable backup. I I'm fine with him. It, it's nice to have a third running back we can rely on if Carson and Penny, you know, run into injury problems, which they are wont to do. Carlos Hyde is a great uh, barometer for knowing that our offensive scheme is working because however well our offensive scheme works, that's how many yards he just got. He, man, he, he's busted some big ones this year though, like, which is kind of cool. I don't know. I don't want to talk about Carlos Hyde at all. All right. So then (laughs) Eric, how do you feel about DK Metcalf going out and getting first downs? Oh man, especially, uh, this game, it was more. It was so important because the division's on the line. It's against the Rams, who, uh, if we got embarrassed this year, it was against the Rams. Uh, and oh, the Arizona game where we were down. Arizona we were game 10. was closer. The Rams game never felt like it was in reach. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's. I'm not saying the more painful loss. I'm saying where we embarrassed. Like that Rams I was game. I was embarrassed that, we blew that that lead in Arizona. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, be. The Rams game. After it was done, I was like, man, why did I watch that game? I could have just taken this game off. Uh, oh, man. But DK Metcalf. Uh, although every time there's a deep slant or a set or just a slant to DK, I just hear Kevin. I hear Kevin like, it'd be nice if we, you know, we had some other plays except for that, you know, that that occasional deep slant to DK Metcalf that you said last week. Because it just like, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I I think that's it's a really good play. It really is. We have that play. It's just when that's our only play where I'm like, when you said it last week, I was like, oh geez, I never thought of that, Kevin. And then it happened a few more times this game, and I was like, but again, we could be saving something for the playoffs. Uh, How do I feel about it though? 
come on, man. DK yeah, those two so times good. he trucked a dude for a first down. Yes, and uh, just going over someone, uh, by the way, got body slammed into the ground, held onto the ball. Uh, DK will push you back. Uh, keep body slamming into the ground. You're not going to hurt him. You're just going to make him angrier. And he's like the Hulk. You're not going to like him when he's angry. Yeah. Um, all right. Any, any other stuff from this game you guys want to talk about before we head out to the uh, Patreon uh, stuff and all that good money zone? All that. Wait, <laughs> do you want to do yeah, a preview? Do you want to preview what? Probably should do the preview of week 17. Yeah. But oh. uh, before okay. we do that, yeah, though, I actually, I actually have something written down for that, too, so I'm really stupid. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. You, uh, right now, you asked, you were like, what preview? I was like, so excited. Uh, uh, okay, the Seahawks right now, uh, according to DVOA, Football Outsiders playoff odds: six point nine percent chance of the one seed, twenty seven point nine percent chance of the two seed, and then sixty five point two percent chance of the three seed. For us to receive the one seed, would be both Carolina to beat New Orleans and uh, Chicago to beat Green Bay. Then uh, that would give us. Uh, the one seed. If either of those teams lose and we win, we would bump up to the two seed. If everyone wins, we stick at number three. Um, that's where we're at. So, uh, all right. Well, let's just talk about all the games first. New Orleans, Carolina. Carolina is a frisky team. They are very average, though. Uh, New Orleans. You have to actually beat them. New Orleans, New Orleans is a really good defense. Yep. And I think that that's the thing people overlook is that they think about this team. They think about Breeze. They think about Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, who went off last week. Those are the guys they think about. Really who they should be thinking about is the fact that this defense is quite possibly the best defense in all of the National Football League. And so for me, I, I, I just think that New Orleans gets it done. It's tough for me to see Carolina – which I think is why our number one pick without our McCaffrey. Number, um, Carolina without McCaffrey. And it's just not a very good defense. It's just an it's a really mediocre team. They're like, um, they're they like San Francisco. Well, they're talent deficient. They're like San Francisco. They, they're, they're not like a pushover. You can't just go, go You can't play San Francisco and just expect to win freebie. It's not a free roll. Like if you were playing the jets, <laughs> the jets beat the Rams. Yeah. Okay. But the jet, the Jets, uh, you know, that's a free roll for us, right? Like that's a free square. We should beat the Jets a hundred out of a hundred times. Eh, Carolina's not a free a free square. You know, you got to show up and play. But they're they're New Orleans going to win. Okay, let's just say that. So that leaves us with Green Bay, Chicago, and Chicago has a lot to play for this week. Okay, they could find their their selves in a wild card spot, the six and seven spot. Uh, they have sixteen point five percent chance to end up in the sixth spot, a sixty point five percent chance in the seventh spot. They but just that also tw- don't have an NFL quarterback. No way, dude. Mitch Trubisky's been great lately, and so that's his stats that's, have been great. He has not been playing good. Come on, Mitch. <laughs> come on, Mitch. Mitch will call me Mitch. I don't know what a hard count is. Trubisky. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm ready. I'm you know, ready. is I'm it, a, is it a possible that he knows what a what a hard count is now? We that's maybe underestimating him there, Nathan. I, Why um, are you trying to remove the meme? I'm a Trubiskaholic. Joy. I'm a Trub- Trubisky head. Uh, um, I want my. <laughs> should I do this joke on this podcast too? <laughs> I want my Trubisky. Like I'm ready, dude. I, I'm I'm like so into Trubisky. I think Chicago can beat Green Bay and give us and deliver us that number that sweet, sweet, sweet number two seed. So that, they think that's about a number two seed and why it matters, because if the one seed gets knocked out, we still get home field all the way through the playoffs, correct. which we don't get a crowd, but we don't have to travel. And that matters. 
sleeping in your own bed, there is something to that, right? So that I'm I'm like I'm I'm rooting, you know, obviously root for Carolina, root for Chicago. We want them to win. I think any anything that helps us is good. Uh, San Francisco, like I said, they're not a free square. They're not a pushover, but they are playing really bad and they have a lot of injuries. And so I think San Francisco's kind of cooked at this point and we should be able to to beat them pretty handily this week. I like that, that Sherman's last game is a 49ers against the Seahawks. And and he'll be watching it from the skybox with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Wait, isn't he? <laughs> Jimmy no, Garoppolo, sure. Hall of Famer. Out for weeks. I thought he was back. Um, I'm yeah, so. Sherman came back. Did he get? Did he go out again? I didn't yeah. hear that he went out again. I, I thought he was back. Back. He's back. Um, back for what? For the last three games. Sherman played in week 15, but not 16. So yeah, he very well. Skip. Either skip way, last week. What happened? Why didn't he play last week? Does he have COVID or something? He probably got hurt again. He's just. Did they, sad. Not, did they just not? Where it says Richard Sherman pessimistic about return to 49ers twenty twenty one. I'm like looking this up now. Yeah, um, he's he's not re-signing. That's all that stuff. I looked it up before. Richard the game. Sherman has a calf injury. There you go. So the other side of this is we have Arizona playing against uh, the Rams, and if the Bears win, then that game could decide which of those two teams makes the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing. If the Bears lose. Then and Arizona wins, then both of the other uh, NFC West teams get in. Arizona, St. Louis, too. That's going to be a good one because it's like the return of Blake. Sorry, LA. Sorry, the return of Blake Bortles for the Rams. <laughs> oh wow! Versus Chris Streveler for Arizona, who was who is like one year removed from being the the running quarterback gadget player for the CFL champions. I thought he, Wolford was playing for uh, the the Wake Forest QB was playing for the Rams. Well, they brought back Bortles and the rumor to back is, him up. Yeah, the rumor is that he's going to he's going to take over the job baby. It's going to wow. be all all Blake all Bortles. He already knows the playbook. He was already with the Rams. Uh, I would argue that Blake Bortles being on a team and Blake Bortles knowing the playbook are not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> fat dip in his lip and he's gonna go out there and slang it baby i'm all <laughs> nathan's a gun, left arm slinger put them together gunslinger uh i like i don't know i i think arizona boys at home named gunner and slinger i mean okay here's the thing google chris Streveler. it's a it's a, it's it's a great oh it's man a ride. He, he my favorite wore, was the, uh, fur, the jacket. fur jacket with the cowboy hat. Right. A fur jacket, a gold <laughs> chain, and a cowboy hat yeah. to the to the celebration. Swagger, man, you need that. Oh. No t-shirt, and he is he has got um he looks he's looking the part, dude. He's he's got he's something. Doing he's he looks like an cigar. extra off Breaking Bad. It's amazing. Streveler Streveler's living his best life, and and I just don't know though, like. As a thrower, if you're a bad thrower in the CFL, I don't know how that works against Aaron Donald and the Ram and Jalen Ramsey. So, so what I'm hearing, not a big step down from Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray with the broken leg from the last couple of weeks, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because Kyler Murray kind of. Well, you know, you're a runner and not really a thrower, exactly. Right. He's got he's got a calf injury that's I feel like really affected him. And so, yeah, I I don't have a lot of faith in Arizona to pull that one out. Let's just say that. Merry, Merry Christmas. Cardinals fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were, it, they were locked in the playoffs and not anymore. It does. It does hurt though. Like Kyler, their team, their offense was very Kyler Murray centric. And then he picks up a little naggy injury like that, like a little weird. And, go off a cliff. Thing, and then the whole team just kind of falls apart because 
they were so reliant on him just making every play. And, and it's, also because Cliff Kingsbury is not actually a good coach. Oregon offensive play caller, and I can't believe that he got that job. And I've been on that corner since he was hired, and I feel more vindicated really, every year. You really have, Kevin. He, I mean, I don't understand how he got that job either because he had a like a losing record. Oh, they got a, a five and seven Texas Tech coach. That's the next NFL guy. I I feel like that was like Sean McVay, uh, Sean McVay theory to the max, right? Like, because I have a the young the guy. The, they get the next the next young offensive yeah. genius, and it's like they really overthought that. They, you know what it was? He needs to write half of his paycheck straight over to Andy Reid so he can split it in half with Mahomes because somehow Andy Reid teaching Mahomes how to actually play quarterback instead of just be really, really talented somehow was like a transitive property of Cliff Kingsbury didn't suck. Yeah, well. <laughs> Turns Whatever. out that property he was going to get it on this podcast this week, but here we are. His offenses in Texas Tech averaged like forty plus points a game. They were exciting sure. offenses. Their his defenses were routinely among the all time. Also, average forty plus points per game. I think, yeah, exactly. I think with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury is a very decent play caller. With Kyler Murray, I will reiterate. Okay, so we're actually playing San Fran. They have C.J. Yeah. Beathard starting. Their defense is uh, injuries injured. and the injured. Javon um, Kinlaw and Richard Sherman are both like trending towards out. It's like it's it's dire straits over there. Yep, they're they already lost like ton of guys. Uh, Fred Warner is really good. Yep, Fred Warner is perhaps the best coverage linebacker in the league. So I would expect us not to be pressing in in that direction. Um, But it should be a lot like the first San Francisco game where we just kind of put them in a headlock and noogie them out the rest of the game. Overpower them. Um, Yeah, we have Carson, so we can probably just bust their face mask a few more extra times. Yeah, so, all right. um, That's that's, that's basically that. All right, now we can do predictions. Uh, Seahawks 31, uh, 49ers 17. Eric? Uh, return of the high score. I have Seahawks 34, not Arizona, San Francisco. Let's go 17. Dude, in the first half of the last game, I was like, Eric's prediction was so good. Yeah. And then, and then we scored too, we scored too much and then they didn't <laughs> score enough. <laughs> yep. Um, kind of, yeah, we just, we just kind of outpaced them. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. I think we're going to be still a little bit frustrated with the offense. I'm going to go 24-10 or 24-13. Look at a couple field goals. Yeah. um, Seahawks favored by five and a half over under is 46. So that's implied like what? 20, 23. I'm at 37. 23-17. I don't know. I'm bad at I'm bad at math. Okay. Um. Anyway, I'm actually good at math. I just don't want to do that math in my head. If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way to do so: head over to onlytwelves.com. Click anywhere on your screen; it'll take you right to the Patreon. Uh, we we'll uh, do it. I, I thanks to the new Patreons, David, Thomas, and John, and to Patreons new and old: Lucas, Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick. Thomas, Charles, Sebastian, Foles, E.B., Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Karen, Mike, Flocknose, Keith, Michelle. I'm going to have to start reading less names. You guys are – there's too many of you now. And another thing too, uh, if you're in the Patreon, make sure you get in the Discord. That's where all that action's happening. We're talking all the time. Uh, we're all uh, muting. Live for games. We're all muting one person. 
Um, you know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then um, the other thing for uh, oh, for other patrons, we want to uh, start live streaming slash videoing these. But uh, I want to I want to set a patron goal that uh, goes with that. So I'm gonna say a hundred patrons. We're at seventy three. You guys think that's fair? Hundred. Yes. All right. When we had when we had a hundred patrons, then here comes the here comes the live stream version of this show where you can see our stupid faces while we uh, while we record. And you know what? You'll get to see the pre-show, which I think is the best part of the podcast. <laughs> the pre-show is the pre-show is funny. So, and I will we'll air that, but then not put it in the uh, in the actual you know audio version. So it'll be a little bonus for the. Uh, it's gonna be weird. I don't know what that's gonna be like. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be weird. That's that's what I like. I'm gonna need you know, a mask. I'm gonna need to get some. We like neon lights. You're gonna get, oh, you're gonna you're gonna like make your your setup make it feel like you're like from like. A, I mean, a I I don't know if people are like, man, I love the way you guys read your notes. And yeah, Eric is talking about eyes wide shut. Seahawks Nest Edition over there with lighting and masks. Yeah, but with the mask with the handle. Yeah. Also, I got to rerun one of the contests for the for the uh, the uh, holiday contest because it didn't work. Like the bot went down when it was supposed to to stay the winner, and so I don't know why that's funny. So, so like I have to rerun it. So now it's a it's a New Year's contest. So So there's still time. You can win up. Win a New Year's win a New Year's prize. All right. If you're tuning in day of, you have about a day. All right. We we um we are nearing New Year's Eve, and I think that you know a lot of people talk about Christmas, and they say Christmas is a holiday where you you get a movie on, and you you watch a movie, and you you know you watch your Die Hard or your Christmas Story or your Home Alone, and you say you know this is a Christmas movie, and I'm starting to think why not New Year's? You know there is a lot of New Year's movies, and I can totally imagine you know you get you should have a tradition, you get the kids to bed, and you watch your your New Year's film. You go on, you watch your New Year's film. You say, "Hey, this is my, you know, my movie right here. I'm gonna watch it." So, well, because because think- here's one thing to remember: New Year's specials suck, and countdown shows are hot trash. Uh, Kevin, you got to do his point- movie instead. Kevin's pointing at Rudolph's shiny New Year. By the way, he, no, he's pointing <laughs> at uh, a rockin' New Year with Ryan Seacrest presented by Dick Clark. <laughs> That's exactly hot uh, garbage. All those, here's, all those. Here's the thing: is that th- those shows you can watch them. That's fine, but that th- those are for the same people that watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade, who are not me. So, um, <laughs> the thing is, watch the last like five minutes. The last five minutes is good when they set out the fireworks and you get the you whole get, thing. That's the whole yeah, thing. In the last five that's the part you want. You don't. You don't need the the rest of that garbage. I just hit my microphone with my hand and probably murdered someone who's wearing headphones. But. uh <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start. Ke- uh, let's go, Kevin first. Uh, so, Kevin, you want to start your New Year's tradition, and of course, we're gonna pick weird movies. You know, I think like if you asked a normal person what movie you should watch, they should watch on New Year's. They're probably they pick gonna, Money Train because quintessential New Year's movie. <laughs> I think they're gonna pick Trading Places. Uh, I think that's like the the quintessential like normal person fun pick. They might pick a, a like a movie like When Harry Met Sally or Sleepless in Seattle. They sure, might pick. Those are like normal picks. Uh, you might pick. I think that an under the radar pick that we're not going to talk about today is Boogie Nights. Uh, opens on it. Opens on a uh, on New Year's Eve. I, I was lobbying so hard for you to pick that one too. Uh, I think that's a great choice. Uh, I had to go. Also, the New Year's scene is really good too. Yeah, the New Year's scene is great. So, uh, <laughs> and I, but the thing is, is I don't want to waste any breath talking about Boogie Nights because I think it deserves like 
the full that's gonna get a special oh, this summer. Sure. Is there, is there a, the summer special treatment where we do like a 25 minute movie club and that is um <laughs> that, that's that's on the docket so i i don't want to waste too much on that. um you know someone might say rent you could say Gross. godfather too um but but we're not going to say any of those we're going to go a little bit outside the box uh kevin no one says money train though it's on hulu though it is. It's, and, uh, I just said it, so at least one person says it. Um, you have to have a premium subscription, though, because a lot of times it says stuff is on Hulu when I go look and then I click on it and it's like, you have to have stars. This one, you have to have stars. <laughs> I knew yeah, it. If something has to, if something requires like stars or Cinemax or whatever, it might as well just be like, this one only broadcasts on the moon, in my opinion. Money, money Train. Loud, incoherent, and aimless. Money Train reunites Snipes and Harrelson and proves that starring duos are far from immune to the law of diminishing returns. What a great blurb by uh by Rotten Tomatoes. Nice job. Accurate. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go with uh, a quintessential um New Year's movie. Uh, get you in the right frame of mind for the types of expectations you should have for the following year, and that is 2013 Bong Joon Ho's Snowpiercer, starring Chris Evans, uh, Song Kang Ho, Ed Harris, Tilda Guys. Swinton. This might shock you, but Kevin picked the Korean movie. <laughs> uh, you know, somebody has to pick foreign films on this podcast, and that someone's always me. It's always going to so, be Kevin. That's okay. Uh, it's also I'm trying to duck around movies I know you guys are going to take. Especially Korean movies. I have to throw that. Like, you have a special place well, in you your heart. A lot of Hong Kong movies, too. Yeah. Well, tell us why you're, you not gonna, you're not going to call me out for those because you also like Hong Kong movies. I like <laughs> Korean movies, too. <laughs> Like I was, I've been on this. We all same We just defer to you, Kevin. But like, you just, you just like, like to bring them up on the podcast a lot. I feel like this one also has a lot of English in it. So this is this is like, you know, you're you're, you're just like putting your ankles in the pool of foreign film. Correct. Um, so uh, this is a movie about a dystopian future. That's why I'm saying it preps you for reality. Uh, in which, uh, due to global warming, um, basically all life on the planet's died off and it's a, a giant ball of ice and snow and they're on these uh, trains that travel around the globe uh, perpetually um, that has a very harsh cast system that uh, Chris Evans and some of the other downtrodden are basically fighting against. It is um, it's social commentary is about as subtle as getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson uh, and it's got the action sequences are well executed. Um, there's a lot of really good dialogue. It's a it's a very enjoyable movie. Uh, it has a very serious message and theme, but there's a lot of levity mixed in those small, funny moments that kind of break the tension for you. So it doesn't just feel heavy all the time. It's, yeah. uh, it's really good. Um, it's got it's got Ed Harris in it, too. Don't forget that. Yep. Always, always down for some Ed Harris just uh, in in my life. Uh, one thing I, one thing I really like about this movie in particular is that one, the acting's really good, but, but also the fact that like, it's like a, it's exciting. It's like an action, it's action packed. You know, it's like stuff happens in this movie. Yeah, it's a little over two hours, and it doesn't feel that long because there's always something happening. Yeah, it's um, yeah, you're right. It it's like a it's heavy handed though for sure, which is like kind of the worst thing about it, but. And it, it, I'm going to say some people might think that this movie is really dark. Like they might be like, oh, it's dark and hopeless. So if you're not, if you're like a person who like any kind of like hopelessness, despair kind of 
puts you off, then just don't watch this movie. Watch If you're else. the kind of person where when a character dies at the end, you then officially tell everyone that it was a bad movie because you were sad that that character died at the end. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if you're the kind of person where that type of movie experience causes you to then say a movie is bad, don't skip this one. You this know, is not for you. It starts out, it starts out kind of like where I could see people would be upset with it. It's depressing or whatever, but I don't know. Like you said, it like a train, it just keeps going and going and building and, and more excitement. Wait, we got to make this clear. The reason it's a New Year's Eve movie is because it's a plot point in the movie that the train goes around the earth like once a year. And, and that's, it's, how, it's, how they, that's how they yeah. tell time is they tell time by how, whenever the train gets all the way around the earth. Cause this train never stops moving. And if it did stop moving, everyone would die. It has to keep moving to keep like the society going or something or whatever. But anyway, it is a new new year's Eve is a plot point in new year's is a plot point in this movie. It's cool. not Kevin did not just pick this at random. I, I wanted to make that, make that clear. Unlike what I was going to pick it for my off brand Christmas movie, because it's about winter. Yes, that would have that been. That would have been, but, too, but it would be funny to me. Too, too hard. We made him wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do this. Um, it's New Year's Day 2006, uh, one year after the events of the movie Nightwatch. It's Daywatch. Have you guys seen these movies? Nightwatch, Daywatch, the Timir Bekmatov movies? Nope. I have um, not. So he did, um, he did Wanted, which I think a lot of people have seen. He did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which I hope that you didn't see. He did that new Ben-Hur, which I also hope you didn't see. But these movies are stylish fantasy action movies that I think are actually pretty good. They're like vampire movies. But anyway, the this, this second one opens up on a on New Year's Day, so, I can, so I'm allowed to put it in this. And I just think people haven't heard about these movies, so I, I wanted to to make them my pick. Um, uh, Nightwatch is cool because it's like extremely low budget um and like works are around it like the budget was like Wait, four did million. he remake his own movie um no yeah he did there's a 1994 release and then he remade it in oh. english with you mcgregor oh for for which one for Daywatch or nightwatch oh for nightwatch okay i've actually seen wait i've actually seen both of these i think but anyway he he uh he Sorry, i love when directors do that it's really cool to me yeah. And so anyway, he's like made these two movies for like, you know, I think like $10 million total or something. And and they're both, they both don't, they don't look cheap, which is kind of a, a feat. I think that that's kind of really, really cool. And so I recommend uh, Nightwatch and, and Daywatch. So there you go. 2004, 2006. They're, <laughs> they're both, good. they're based on some books, I think, um, that I never read. But uh, was it? I'm sorry. Did you say this was this a was it a Russian movie series? Yeah, they're, they're Russian. OK, yeah. I the only thing I know about this is I believe you kind of talked about it. I don't know, like 10 years ago or maybe maybe I asked you, have you seen these movies? And you're like, they're, they're kind of interesting. Um, have you have you rewatched them recently? Mm, I've not watched them probably in five plus years. I've watched the second one pretty recently, but not the first one. That makes sense. Cause I think like 10 years ago you hadn't watched them yet. Cause I was like, are these any good? And you were like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But they, they're, they're pretty solid uh, films. I have them on DVD, Eric, if you want to, uh, to borrow the digital versatile discs. That sounds great. I've already got like uh, two or three of your uh, digital versatile discs in my home. Uh, so, what, can I make everyone on the, that listens to this podcast mad? Yeah. When I moved into my new house, I have a pretty sizable DVD collection and I don't like how much I didn't like how much space it took up. So I 
took all of the DVDs and put them into like one CD book and threw away all the boxes at the dump. That's a, uh, you're a, uh, you're ahead of so many people. I wish some, I could do that. I think some people will, will think I'm a monster for doing that though, because like, I was just like, I can't say, I'm not going to have a closet of DVDs anymore. I don't get out DVDs often enough to make this worth it. I just, <laughs> like, I just, you're not going to have the Ikea tower. No, and I just didn't want to have like a, a whole thing full of DVDs that my two-year-old could just throw all over the floor, you know? So it's like, I, I was just like, you know what? I'll just have this book full of DVDs and uh, that'll be that. And so now all my Hong Kong movie, my rare my rare uh, Hong Kong movie collection is in uh, a big CD case. So sorry. I feel like that's fine. Most DVD cases kind of get wrecked anyway because people decide to put crappy stickers all over them. So when you buy them, you either have to deal with a bunch of crappy stickers on it or you peel the stickers off and it like stretches the plastic. And you gotta just, that's why I you have rage get... issues about this. You you gotta, in a bond you gotta, I got a tips and tricks now. Now we're, now we're at tips and tricks podcast, life pro tips. Get a, you when you have, like, when someone puts a sticker on something like that and you want to peel it off, take a, take a hair, hair dryer or hair, like those air, like yeah, hot air and heat it up so that the glue like starts to melt and then it will come off real easy. Often. Yes. Yes. That like, most of the time it works. Anyway, Eric, what's your pick? really quick for the record, uh, quick correction on myself. I was looking at a different set of Nightwatch movies. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, I don't think there's an old one. I think it was like just a first one, a second one. What, what I'll say is correct. that be impressed. The visuals are impressive for how low budge these movies are. There's some cool shots in these movies, and then when you when you watch Wanted, you're like, oh, I see what this guy. This guy's got like a style, but he's never really delivered on that promise since, in my opinion. Like that, he kind of set a bar for himself and then was never able to uh got too much money i don't know no i don't know if it's that or if it's just like like abraham lincoln vampire hunter that's it's just not good like it yeah it's dumb stupid it's not it's not fun to watch i didn't read the books i don't know if the book was also bad i just it it like it's like one of those things where it's like you think like okay abraham lincoln vampire hunter good director tim burton's producing uh, we got some good actors in here. Dominic Cooper, Anthony Mackie, Mary lives with Weinstead. It's like, this is going to be a solid film. Like I'm going to enjoy this. And then you watch it and you just don't, I don't, I don't know how we got on this, but it looks like a sci-fi original. Wanted has some cool stuff in it. I actually think wanted is not too bad. Um, it's not great. It left, it left a lot on the table and the comic book is about a thousand times better than the movie. Way different um, too. It's yeah, they changed they changed some significant things that made that made it worse. All right, Eric, what's your movie before we get too far off on this? Uh, just to get a little farther off. Kevin, you were thinking Night Shift with uh, Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler, I think. <laughs> no, but I wish. <laughs> I was thinking uh, Night Court being being resurrected. All right. So uh, my movie is a movie I've spoken about on the podcast before. Uh, it's called Angel Heart. And it's an uplifting movie starring uh, Mickey Rourke and Lisa Bonet uh, and Robert De Niro. Bob De Niro's in this. Uh, It's not an uplifting film. Do not watch this with any children. Uh, If you want to know, like, uh, you know, what kind of what kind of movie is like your kind of thing, Eric? It's either going to be really stupid, uh, really emotionally awesome or really like uh, a cultish weird kind of cool and that's where this art house movie i let, let, not to let, art house. lisa bonet's character in this movie is named epiphany, epiphany. Proud, proudfoot yes uh it's it's basically i it's so much better if you don't know much about this movie but it's uh it's new year's related because there was a a uh 
ritual done by devil worshippers on uh, New Year's Eve of 1943 that the entire plot of this movie kind of uh, rotates around. This is a uh, a Nor who done it with a detective being hired by a very creepy Robert De Niro to track down this old blues singer named Johnny Favorite, and um, we'll just go from there. I really this movie pops up on Netflix or Prime or Hulu uh, at least once a year. Look for it uh, and just watch it. I I enjoy it. And then at me in the Discord and be like, Eric, this movie sucks. And I'll be it's like, on, you suck. It's on, it's on HBO Max right now. Okay, so. then it's never coming to Hulu or Netflix. Just get this is a, I like how this segment is super long. Um, okay, one one other thing uh, uh, about that. Mickey Rourke's cool. That's it. Yeah, I, before, I don't, before his I, boxing career, he was really cool. I, wanted to, I want to hate Mickey Rourke, but it's just too hard. Uh, okay, before we leave, who's going to win the NFC East? Washington, Dallas, or the Giants? Uh, the Giants, because it's the dumbest possibility. Dallas, because it's the dumbest possibility. I think Andy Dalton, playoff Andy Dalton is the funniest, so I want That Dallas would be really funny. That. All right, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you all next week. Go Hawks.